This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Title 42 was officially supposed to expire today, if not for the hold placed by the Supreme Court. But here's the sad reality. Eventually, it's going to expire, and there needs to be another mechanism to keep these fake asylum seekers from invading our country under false pretenses. And it's utter horse crap. We need a COVID policy as the bare minimum defense of our border in the first place. And if you're an American and you're not mad as hell, you better get a pulse and pay attention because the show starts now. There's no invasion at our southern border, they say. All of these people flooding over here are asylum seekers, they say. No human is illegal, they say. Well, guess what I say? If our border ain't open, then what the hell is it? And what the hell do you call this? Because I spy with my little eye a full-blown invasion and the D.C. village idiot who is either dumb, blind, or both. Uh, but again, we are doing the work. The president has been doing the work at the border since day one. One of the reasons that I want to be very clear that to, to folks that the border uh, is not open and, and we will remove uh, using Title Eight is because by not being very clear on that, we are doing the work of the smugglers who are going to put forth misinformation. So we want to be very clear uh, on that piece. The only accurate part of what she said there is that we, and when I say we, I mean Joe and Democrats of America, are doing the work of the smugglers. Joe is the trafficker-in-chief, and out of one side of his mouth, he tells us we should get another experimental worthless booster, and out of the other, he says, Title 42 can be lifted because we're no longer worried about COVID. Well, you're right, Joe. I'm not worried about COVID. I'm worried about the millions of people from all corners of the globe that are going to take advantage of the open border and U.S. taxpayers because they'd rather be in America than their crap hole countries. Yeah, no duh. But Democrats, I want to know, how many illegals do you think we can take? Like, what's your cutoff? Because it's already been six million plus since Joe sleepwalked his way into office. So how many more? 10 million? 20 million? 30? 40? 100 million? Like, how many future Democrat voters do you think need to mail in a ballot? This is not just irresponsibility at our southern border. It's a dereliction of duty. And if the DOJ is going to investigate Trump over some BS yet again, then someone sure as hell should investigate Department of Homeland Insecurity Secretary Mayorkas and our sorry excuse for a commander-in-chief for allowing this unprecedented and large-scale invasion. And guess what else? It's time for Republicans to grow some you-know-whats and get serious about stopping it, too. When, not if, Title 42 expires, there will be a free-for-all, a run on our border, a freaking lawless extravaganza like we've never seen before. It's a freaking joke and no one is laughing. Speaking of jokes, from the sham January 6th panel to the FBI colluding with big tech to rig elections and so much more that makes my stomach churn, I've got Devin Nunes on deck and he's ready to get into it. That's next. The January 6th committee has recommended the DOJ investigate Donald Trump. Wow, how original. Yep, it's like Christmas, Hanukkah, and New Year's wrapped into one for the perpetually Trump deranged. The January 6th panel wants the DOJ to investigate Trump over his involvement in the so-called insurrection. 
For the rest of us, this is Groundhog's Day. Investigating Donald Trump, what else is new? But the panel in all of its overhyped glory says Trump obstructed an official proceeding, conspired to defraud the U.S., made a false statement, and their favorite incited an insurrection. Look, January 6th was a bad day for America, but can these selective pearl clutchers stop with their faux outrage almost two years later? And boy, if you think January 6th was bad, I hope you take a look at the summer justice riot season of 2020. And speaking of investigations, maybe look into how the FBI colluded with big tech to censor the Hunter Biden laptop story and rig an election. Joining me now with his take and all of that and more is former California Congressman and former House Intelligence Committee Chair and the CEO of Trump Media and Technology Group, Devin Nunes. Devin, you do it all, you've done it all, and I can't think of a better person to talk to about this January 6th committee. You know, first of all, I don't think it's getting the attention that they thought it was going to get even now. I mean, we knew they were going to recommend something, but is this going to hold any weight? What's your take on what happens next? Well, Tommy, it's great to be with you. And I was actually in Congress when this this faux committee really is what it is, was stood up because it's an unprecedented created committee. So for the history of the Congress, both the majority and the minority, they would split up the committee ratios, didn't matter, Republican or Democrat, and then those subjective parties could put whoever that they wanted to put on the committees. Well, when this was stood up, you may remember a very prominent member of Congress, a good friend of mine, Jim Jordan from Ohio, who's the top Republican on the Judiciary Committee. He was selected to go on the committee by the Republican Party along with a couple other members of Congress. Well, in an unprecedented move, Pelosi came out and said, no, uh, they're not They're not eligible. These Republicans are not eligible. So from that very starting point, and I was there then, uh, we just said, look, uh, we're not going to participate in this madness. And even the fake news, I think, has struggled to, to take this January 6th com- committee seriously and then, of course, they put on two, what I would say, former Republicans uh, and somebody named Liz Cheney uh, and a guy named Adam Kinzinger. Pelosi then said, well, we're, we will have the minority party represented. We're going to choose who we want. And she puts on those two Republicans who have been, you know, have a, a long history of hating Trump uh, and not being a very good team players of the Republican Party. So effectively, this was a Pelosi-controlled committee. Uh, with wacko birds like Adam Schiff, who have you know never told the truth for many for many many years, and were knee deep in all the Russia collusion hoax and everything else. So, look, you knew going in when they stood this committee up that they were going to do what? Oh, they were going to make criminal referrals on Donald Trump. I could have told you that. Even the fake news people could have told you that. We are we are here at the end where we began. They already had the whole script. They just wanted to go out and harass people, have primetime hearings, uh, which they did, which largely fell flat. And I don't think uh, if you if you polled the American people right now, I'd guess that most people don't even know what it is, that they don't even know it exists. And those that that do probably don't take it seriously. And if they knew the facts, they for sure wouldn't take it seriously. Now, with all that said, this will go to the Department of Justice that is hopelessly corrupt. There, the, the the justice system in this country, uh, to say it's a two-tiered system where Republicans and Democrats are treated differently, I think would be an understatement for what it really is. The Department of Justice has been hopefully uh, hopelessly corrupt, 
started in 2000, well, started under Obama, but really started with Trump, where they just threw all the all the, the rules out the window when they opened up investigations into the Trump campaign, uh, working directly with the FBI, working with, I know what you're going to get to next, uh, with, with big tech uh, and the fake news to keep President Trump under investigation from when he was a candidate, from basically the time he came down the escalator to even today, uh, where he is a candidate for 2024. It's never stopped. I don't think it's ever going to stop. And the Republicans in Congress, who have a very small majority now, have a big task ahead of themselves. And, and I just hope that they don't wait um, and they don't stumble out of the gate. They've got to get these committees formed and they've got to get subpoenas out because the Department of Justice has to be completely, completely from top to bottom investigated. Here's what I want to know, though, is if it will work. Now, listen, the January 6th panel, I don't think people were as fired up about that as the left thought that they were going to be. But unfortunately, the problem is we have so many low information viewers and voters out there who do believe that Donald Trump is guilty of a litany of things. I mean, they believe Shampeachment 1, Shampeachment 2, you name it, the FBI raid, now on to this January 6th. Unfortunately, the media does the bidding of the Democrat Party. So is big tech. So does academia. So does Hollywood. We all know this. But they do a really good job of planting that seed in Americans' minds that Donald Trump is a criminal. And they have been very successful at it. Whether or not their investigations or their impeachments are successful or not, unfortunately, a lot of Americans just hear it. They watch CNN and then they say Donald Trump is a criminal. He's being investigated. We couldn't possibly have him in the White House again so I wonder, even though we knew this was going to happen, is this just another nail in the Trump 2024 coffin, at least as it pertains to independent voters and de Democrats that we need to sway? Yeah, well, look, they're they're practicing the old uh, saying that Stalin, I believe, was the one who originated, or at least he's credited most of the time with it, which is if you tell a lie long enough, eventually it becomes the truth. And so, you know, one of the reasons why I, I left Congress and 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 came to True Social was, you know, to give the American people their voice back, open the internet back up. But one of the the, the primary reasons, Tommy, was that I looked at the polling after the 2020 election, and you still had over half of the American people that believed that Trump and the Republicans had something to do with Russia, that something bad had happened there. And uh, I was just shocked. Uh, I was shocked by that. And and you know, look, what I you know what what it is is that what what's happening is it's bad enough that you got ninety five percent of the news is fake or or slanted hard left. It's that the five percent of the news that's actually trying to either it's either center or center right that's trying to get the facts out. Which you know the Russia hoax, you know, which is which all of this leads back to that the corruption of DOJ with the big tech companies. It's all part of the same operation. You know, for people not to understand that the only people that, that colluded with Russians were the Democrats. I mean, we had tapes, audio tapes of Adam Schiff talking to Russians right. about trying to get dirt on Trump. I mean, you can't make this up. But in 2020, half the people went to the polls thinking Trump and Republicans had something to do with Russia. And it's basically because it's what's getting fed into these phones. So, look, I, I believe that there's been a that there's been a change. There's been a movement here. Uh, that started, um, I think, True Social working alongside of with Rumble. You know, we've we managed to to create something that's not been created before that nobody thought we could do, 
We have a beachhead that's indestructible by these big tech companies. Nobody thought that we could stand these companies up, give people their voice back without an Amazon or a Microsoft or any of these, you know, name the big tech oligarch companies without us being shut down. And here we are, we're standing here in the breach. And, you know, I think that's why President Trump and myself were, were so supportive of Elon Musk buying Twitter, you know, not because, look, Elon Musk is an oligarch, richest man in the world himself. But we knew that, look, having somebody like that that's unpredictable, that says the right things, but at least it's not a public woke company run by 8,000 lunatics working directly with the FBI and intelligence agencies. So it's 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 a hard, hard you know road. Uh, we're in the trenches every day fighting. But but look, I think that uh, you know President Trump. I mean, they continue to target him, and I think the reason remains the same which is they know that he's the one guy who can go into Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and win those states that Republicans have not been able to win in a very long time since Donald Trump did it. And of course, in 2020, you can argue over, over absentee ballots and Facebook money and all of that sort of thing. But you know, President Trump came within you know, 25,000 votes of winning all those states again. Right. Well, here's the thing that worries me, though. Even now with Elon Musk and Twitter and the Twitter files, which I want to get into, we know they, the FBI, the DOJ, corruption, corruption, corruption. They hate Donald Trump. Quite frankly, they hate a lot of conservatives, a lot of Republicans. We now know this. It has been confirmed. But what worries me is even now knowing this, it still does not seem like outside of conservatives, the perception has changed. And that is troubling. We have Twitter files. We have confirmation. We have well-respected former New York Times journalists putting this stuff out there. And I don't know if the American people that are straddling the fence, independent or maybe moderate Democrats, I don't know that they care. And I don't know how yeah. we fix that. And I don't know how we change that. Even with the evidence right in front of their face, they don't seem to care. Hunter Biden laptop story, they don't seem to care. The FBI going to big tech saying, hey, we're going to work together. We see it all there. The American people don't seem to care. Yeah, so so the what, what I would say is I, I, you know, I agree. It's not that they don't care. It's that they're not getting the information. And, you know, I see that here in my home, you know, in my home state of California, you know, in comparison to my new state of Florida, where I spend half my time. You know, just it's a night and day difference uh, between those two, between the two states. And you wonder why, you know, I see a, a lot of great people, you know, in California, you wonder what, what the hell's going on. But then you talk to them about the Hunter Biden laptop from hell story. But of course, you know, 40, 45 percent of us in America, we know all about it. But the rest of America, you, they'll say, what, what do you mean? You know, they don't even know about it. Right. And so part of what this is why it's so critical for for you know, truth, working with alongside with Rumble. And if we can get more Elon Musk, the better trying to buy these big companies and blow them apart, because it's really just letting the information out, letting the information flow. And I, look, I always called it, you know, back in the, the, the days of the Russia hoax, you know, back in 2000, early 2017, when, you know, I was the, the one guy who said, wait a second here, uh, none of this makes any sense, FBI, DOJ, Democrats, fake news media. And then immediately I was bombarded with everything under the sun, including you know, accusations that I was a Russian agent. Right. And you know, look, I compared it to you know the old football analogy. It's like, you know, a yard or two and a cloud of dust, right? And and that's what we're doing every single day. And I will tell you that 
you know, look, I think we all have to believe this and we all have to be happy warriors that ultimately people want freedom. They want the flow of information. They're going to ultimate, everybody's going to ultimately find out about the Hunter Biden laptop from hell. You're right about the Twitter, you know, the kind of Twitter gate here that largely the fake news is totally ignoring it. But you know what? That was predictable because they were, they've been in on this the whole time. Right. But I'll tell you what's, what's slowly happening. And, and you see this because of, because of your show, Tommy, there there's really I, the term Balkanization. Okay. So the, you know, the Balkans formed part of the, the Soviet union sphere. It was all part of Yugoslavia. So, and then it kind of all splintered up into their original countries. And I think that's what you're seeing now with media and you're seeing the flow of information. I mean, look how many I do, you know, there's not a day that goes by that I'm not on a podcast or video cast that quite frankly, two or three years ago didn't exist. Right. And, and, and you're seeing this, I mean, there's, and it's funny, you know, I was on, uh, on, on true social the other night and I was on, and I clicked over, I saw something I had never seen before. It was a rumble. Somebody put up this rumble video and, um, and I clicked on it. It was a live stream. These are people I'd never heard of. Okay. They're young, young kids doing, you know, uh, talking about weightlifting and fitness and that sort of thing. And, um, they had 25,000 people watching it live. Now, look, I, I'm, I've been in this sector. I'm all for giving people their voice back. And here, I didn't even know who these people were. So you're going to continue to see the balkanization of, of the, you know, what used to be kind of the big three or the big five, the New York Times, this and that. They're all going to start to, 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 as the more that they do fake news, the more that there's going to be just the spreading out and the spreading of the flow of this information. And that's why it's going to be so critical that, and I think that's why you're seeing this massive growth to alternative platforms. And what I would say, I, I hate to use the term alternative news. It's basically just giving people that want to do real reporting, want to talk about the issues like you're doing right here. You're going to see these continue to flourish and grow. No, I agree with that as well. And I think podcasting has been a great gift to a lot of conservative voices out there. It just remains to be seen if, unfortunately, we don't all exist in a little echo chamber. Where people are still finding the people that they want to listen to and it's not reaching the other side. That is going to be the Absolutely. challenge, but it's a challenge that we need to accept and it's a challenge we need to run with. Last thing I want to talk to you about, and I already know your answer on this because, you know, you've, <laughs> you, you work for Donald Trump. You're very close to Donald Trump. I totally get it. Understand. But for me and for those conservatives and Republicans out there watching that are wondering, Trump 2024, is it a good idea? Is it a winnable strategy? Is it time to abandon Donald Trump? Is it time to go in a new direction? Is it time to move forward? I want you to tell me from your perspective what you would say to Republicans and weary conservatives that are weary about Trump 2024. Why continue to go in that direction? Well, look, I, th what I say is, is that, uh, you know, number one, uh, you know, I go back to, you know, back to 2016 and 17. You know, I remember when, you know, I was the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee in 2016. And I stayed out of the primary, even though I had a lot of friends, people that I'd known for a while that were presidential candidates vying for the Republican nomination. And I said, look, I'm going to support whoever comes out of this. And I remember in 16, you know, Trump president or time candidate Trump wins the wins the nomination. And I said, okay, look, I have a responsibility to the Republican Party um, to support Trump. And then everybody was saying, oh, he's never going to win. He's not serious. He's just doing this, you know, for the limelight. And then I said, well, that's kind of strange. I mean, why would he do all this, put his life on hold 
to do this. So, you know, I turned around there and I didn't see a lot of my fellow Republicans at the time. Right. Really su very supportive of our nominee in 2016. And then he goes right into an unprecedented attack, weaponization of our intelligence and justice system that continues to this day putting him under, on, you know, under, under attack. So, you know, I kind of go back to what I what, what I said just a little bit ago, which is, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, uh, you know, maybe we should go move on to somebody else. And 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 I say, well, really, well, well, what's your strategy? What's your strategy to win? Because, you know, there's a lot of good other candidates out there. We have a lot of great governors that can run if President Trump decided to, to not run. But you have to look, turn around and say, well, what's your strategy? I saw the McCain strategy right. in 08. <laughs> I was in Congress. I supported McCain. It was a disaster. I saw the Romney strategy in 2012, which was, oh, we got a moderate Massachusetts governor, you know, a, a right. smart guy, business guy. That was a disaster. And many of the same people who were naysayers in 16 never, you know, quietly, and you know this, Tommy, they quietly continued that. They don't like President Trump because, quite frankly, he doesn't pay any attention to the establishment mm -hmm. media, the establishment Wall Street people, the establishment kind of Republican Party folks. And quite frankly, what I see in the real world, right, I live in, in Central California, you know, the agricultural part of the world. I commute back and forth. I've traveled all over the country, you know, not only this year working for True Social, and then I spend a considerable amount of time in Florida. And, and I will tell you that, you know, President Trump has a movement. You may not like the movement, but it's a movement bigger than any modern political player in, in, in history. There's nothing that even comes close to it uh, because he's got people all over the country that like him. They appreciate him. They like what he did. And you know, then you got a lot of people like me who have been in politics for a long time. This is the only guy that actually won without the support of anyone, got elected, was treated uh, uh, so horribly by our own government and really you know, outed a lot of the problems that we have in government today that we're still facing today to where they don't really give a damn what happens. I mean, the left has become so, so what I would say a socialist communist party that we better watch out, you know, what we wish for here. And I find it, and this is kind of the final point. When somebody can explain to me if Donald Trump, like I listen to a lot of these so-called establishment Republicans, who by the way are in Washington right now, gonna vote for a spending bill, which makes no sense whatsoever when the Republicans just got control of the House and you've got all of these, these congressmen and senators, Republicans who are gonna vote to pass this spending bill, effectively give up the only power you have outside of, outside of the power of the purse. The only thing you have is investigative power if you only control the House of Representatives. They're gonna give up the power of the purse here in the next 24 to 40 hours if they vote for this. Those same people, who are against against President Trump, were against President Trump, still are against President Trump. Why, if he's so bad, why does the fake news and the Democratic Party, this Jan 6 committee that we spend all this time you know, talking about today, why do they spend all of their time against Donald Trump, against President Trump? You can't square the two because if, if he sucks and he's a horrible candidate and he's the worst person ever, like they'd like to say, then the Democrats would be in the opposite. They'd say, run, Trump, run. Right. But they're not saying that. So you've got, you've got the Liz Cheney's, the, the Romney's, and all of these guys that are out there who have been wrong 
so often teaming up with the radical left and the fake news. And I just say, look, I'm sorry. I'll stay with, you know, I'll stay where I see a lot of people. I mean, I just, you know, went to the little bakery street yesterday. Everybody in there, they weren't talking about anybody else. They were talking about, wow, I can't believe what they're doing to Donald Trump. I can't believe this. I hope he kicks their ass. Well, no, I, I, I agree with you. And I don't think we can ever go back the other way. And I don't think that that's where the movement ever would be to go back to the Romney, the McCain, the establishment, the Mitch McConnell's, the Liz Cheney's. I don't think we're ever going to go back there. I think it's just going to take some convincing. And I say this as a Trump supporter, and I hope that Donald Trump knows this, and I hope that you'll relay the message. There are a lot of us that were Trump supporters from the get-go, myself included. I worked at the Blaze at that time. Glenn Beck told me that I was crazy for being a Trump supporter, told me I was evil for being a Trump supporter. Dana Lash told yeah. me that I was stupid for being a Trump supporter. They mocked me endlessly, okay? I have been in the Trump camp so firmly since then and until now, and I still am. I will say this, though. If Donald Trump were to hear his original supporters and hear them loud and clear, I would hope that he would hear this. Please just stick to the message. Please stop with the vendettas because we don't want any more drama. We just want to make America great again. So if you could deliver that message to Donald Trump for me, I would certainly appreciate it because I want to be firmly, firmly in that camp. But I just need to see from him that he's going to put country first and leave all the vendettas out the window. But I, I want to thank yeah, you. Thought, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I thought what uh, what he did last week, I thought his uh, his uh, he had a great speech on talking about free speech and opening up the Internet. I think, uh, and I've heard a lot from people, uh, not just on True Social, but that I've talked to, They that's what they really want to see. And I think the, yep. you know, the president, and I told him that, I said, I think what, what he did last week, that's a good start. And I think people want to see it, the shiny city on a hill. They want to see the vision. They want to see, look, we're going to go back and we're going to make America great again. And here's how we're going to do it. Yes, I think that's what people to... <laughs> want to see. I agree with you. And if Donald Trump could just get over 2020, we're all still pissed about it, but he's got to get over it. So I'm going to leave you with that because I know that you've got his ear and I want to see him win and I want to see him do well and I want to support him just like I did in 2016, 2017 and all the way on through. But thank you so much for spending so much time for all you do, for always fighting the good fight. And I hope that you'll come back and talk to us soon. Any, anytime, Tommy. It's my, my honor. I thank really so appreciate much. it. All right. Up next and switching gears, what could be more lovely this holiday season than giving a pet a new home? Nashville Humane joins me with a Christmas critter cuteness overload. That's next. Christmas is the perfect time of year to add a pet to your family. But for the love of all that is good and holy, please adopt, don't shop. Joining me now with an adoptable shelter surprise is our friends from Nashville Humane. We're so excited to see you. As always, it's Christmas time, and I know that we've got the festive costume on Jack here. So I have to hear about Jack because I know he's seven years old. He's a Sharpay mix. He's mm -hmm. got the cutest little face. What a nice little outfit. He's coming to say hello to everybody. But what does everybody need to know about him if they're looking for a new pet for the holidays? Okay, so he is a wonderful dog. He's housebroken. He, he is great on the leash. Uh, he loves going for car rides. Um, he would probably do best in a home with older kids <laughs> and um, someone that likes kisses all the time and wants to share the couch. <laughs> and then um, probably as an only pet or if he does get along with other dogs, bring them by to the shelter, let's see how they get along there. Because some dogs he likes right away, and others he's like, I really don't want to play with you. So right. it's hit or miss. Well, he's seven years old, he's potty trained, he's got mm -hmm. the perfect temperament. I mean, he said hello to everybody in here. You know, just a little backstory. And he was adopted from your shelter, and then they had a return like almost seven years later. So yeah. that breaks my heart. He's used to living with a family, once a family. The Humane Society, or the Humane National Humane is fantastic, but he really wants a home to spend 
and what would be his ideal companion? If there was a person that was Jack's person, because I uh -huh. think we got to find a person, not a dog for people, but people for the dog. What is the best kind of person for Jack? Okay, someone, the best, I love this question because I've spent a lot of time with him. Um, he likes going for car rides. He will help you go get gas in the car. You gotta run some errands. I'm ready to be that person. You wanna get up early and go for a walk? Let's do it. He's happy. Um, just someone that wants to spend a lot of quality time with him. And then someone who's ready to cuddle at the end of the day, he's ready to do that with you too. He's so he sweet and so loves, friendly. Yeah. And he just loves people. I mean, he loves everybody here. He just wants to get in and see all of our crew here. But aside from Jack, I know you guys have adoptable pets, of course, at Nashville Humane. And mm -hmm. for those that are in the Nashville area or those that will travel to the Nashville area, I want you to also give people a little perspective. Because sometimes in the holidays, people get these wild ideas that they want to bring home a pet. And we hope that they go to a shelter. We hope that they don't go to a pet store. Mm -hmm. But what would you tell people that are thinking about adding an animal because they want it to be a Christmas gift? Okay, that's a great question. We've tried to find that out with every adoption, especially in December. Are you planning on doing this as a gift? If they do say yes, we want to make sure that everyone involved is aware. And if they're not, we really don't want it to be a surprise. We do offer adoption gift certificates. So it's a great stocking stuffer. Pay for the adoption, put it in their stocking, and when they're ready to adopt, come to NHA and we'll hook them up with the pet. That's you know, because it's busy during the holidays. Sometimes people aren't ready for it. Right, and it has to be the right match for everybody because you know every dog, every cat has got somebody that they jive with the best, and mm -hmm. you got to have the right vibes for all the animals. But I know also the season of giving for those that can't adopt a pet themselves, they couldn't take Jack home, and they got too mm -hmm. many pets, they can't have a pet that they still want to help out. What's something that they can do for Nashville Humane or any of the shelters where they live across the country? What are you guys in real big need of right uh, now? Thank you for asking that. Um, right now, our greatest donation are bath towels. We have run low, dangerously low on them again. And not only our shelter, but shelters across the country, it's always one of the greatest needs because they're used for bedding, they're used for bathing, they're used after spay and neuter surgery to keep them comfortable. So it's one of those things that we get and they get donated and we get a bunch of them, but then after time, the bath towels just can't be used anymore. Anymore, and we're low again so that's an item that it's easy to donate right. go into your closet and give us your old towels and then you can buy yourself new ones or you know go to just go to good old TJ Maxx where I frequent just pick mm -hmm. up some more towels I think everybody can afford to give a towel and I want to say this as well because it is the season of giving and we're thinking about what we can do for shelters around the country and we're thinking about how we can give and how we can help mm -hmm. is monetary donations do you guys accept those for people that just want to give a a little bit of something that they have extra to your shelter? We do, and we do have a holiday gift fund going on right now. Like you can always go to our website, click on the donate button. Any amount will go straight towards the shelter pets, and we're always so thankful for that. But yeah, if you can't adopt, donate. I mean, I'm wearing an NHA hat right now. We have merchandise yes. there. You can promote NHA by walking around wearing it. There's just so many ways that you can help if you can't adopt. Fostering, volunteering, it's all those wonderful things. And I know the last thing, because you're the animal expert, there are a lot of people that have their pets at home and it's supposed to get really cold in Nashville mm -hmm. and around the country even colder. Yeah. I want just in finishing some tips for people with their pets in the winter time. How cold is too cold to leave your animal outside? I mean, if you're, you're cold, they're cold. Uh, one of the things I do, like with my dogs, when I take them out for walks in the winter, it's like I don't wear gloves. So once I know my hands are cold and they can't take it anymore, guess what? Their feet are feeling the same way. We go back home. And take them in at night. Don't leave them outside. And oh, if they are outside for any ex extended period of time, make sure there's some fresh water out there. It freezes fast and there's sunlight and there's some sort of protection. But 
best part is bring them inside, put them on the couch, have them watch your TV show, and just have some popcorn and have a good time. And even inside, a nice little outfit like this will sure keep them warm and toasty. I mean, exactly. I know I wear a robe at home. Well, if anybody's looking for Jack, they can find him at Nashville Humane. He's the perfect dog mm -hmm. for anybody, and he just needs a home. And quite frankly, it looks like he would enrich anybody's life. And how good does he look, by the way? I mean, so if you guys are in the Nashville area, please go see Jack and all the wonderful dogs and cats over at Nashville Humane. I know you guys are also looking for fosters as well, so you can give them a little bit of a break around the holidays, which is always mm -hmm. so nice that people can do that as well. Yeah. But Jack, thank you so much. You are the Santa Claus that we really needed here at Tommy Lair and his Fearless. And uh, we'll see you guys soon, and hopefully Jack will find a nice home for Christmas. That's what I want. Thank you so much. Still ahead, 4,000 pages of government swamp rats wasting your hard-earned tax dollars. Yippee skippy. You think it would sting less since we're used to it, but no. My final thoughts are next. Once again, establishment Republicans are selling us down the river and going along with the whims and wishes of Democrats. It's time for final thoughts. Well, the Senate voted 70-25 to proceed with the $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill. If you're wondering what's in that monstrosity that'll benefit you, well, feel free to read all 4,000 pages of it or just safely assume not a whole freaking lot. So allow me to just give you a few of the highlights. Here's a good place to start. It prohibits CBP funding from being used to improve border security because it's not like the invasion at our southern border is something Democrats or rhinos would care to address. Oh, but you'll be comforted to know the bill allocates $410 million towards border security for other nations, namely Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, Tunisia, and Oman. Good for them. Glad we could help out. And we're certainly not done funding Ukraine. Apparently, that is a top priority for Republicans, in name only. Providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians, that's the number one priority for the United States right now, according to most Republicans. That's sort of how we see the th challenges confronting uh, the country at the moment. Ukraine gets another $45 billion, and just for good measure, a Ukrainian independence park will be created in Washington, D.C. So special and giving of us, huh? Magical. But wait, there's more. Also included is $1.438 billion in spending for membership in global multilateral organizations, including the United Nations, $65 million for restoring Pacific salmon populations, $3 million for bee-friendly highways, and an additional $5 million in further spending for salmon. Damn, sure would be nice to be a salmon instead of a taxpayer, huh? But if you thought the radical leftist agenda smashed into this bill ended there, well, wrong. There's $575 million in spending for family planning or reproductive health in the bill targeted to areas where population growth threatens biodiversity or endangered species, whatever the hell that means. Oh, and you'll be delighted to know earmarks have also been added to fund the celebration of Democrats, such as naming a federal building after Nancy Pelosi and a trail named after Michelle Obama. But folks, according to the press, both sides are claiming victory with this joke of a bill. And when I say both sides, I mean Democrats, Mitch McConnell, and the establishment. This is such an embarrassment, and mostly for Republicans, because once again, we've given D.C. a blank check to go buck wild, and once again, we've trusted so-called Republicans not to. In case you're wondering, that was a big, fat, freaking mistake. 
At this point, we might as well just start flushing our own money down the toilet and take out the government middleman. Those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.